0: Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa card to help support your community. because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Let's go man, it'll do. It. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, the 49ers are going to try to bounce back this week as they head to the East Coast, New Jersey to be exact, MetLife Stadium. They're going to play the Jets on Sunday. It'll be morning football in the Bay Area, 10 a.m. kickoff. And then they're going to stay back east because they play at the very same stadium in week three against the Giants. In between, 49ers are going to have a nice luxury stay at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, a place that's so nice that it has a bunker for the President of the United States underneath it. And yeah, I, I hadn't had heard of the Greenbrier before, but I had never really seen pictures until Kyle Shanahan started talking about it. So I looked it up on Google, and the place is indeed very nice. So the 49ers will get some fresh air. It's getting a little bit better in the Bay Area, but air quality still isn't what it usually is. It's going to be a lot better back east for a whole week when they leave on Friday. And Matt, maybe that will help them heal up a little bit because right now they got a lot of guys hurt. Uh, I mean, I wrote an article on Wednesday and I had to make a table of all the injuries just so people can keep it straight because I feel that we're obviously plugged into this and we're hearing every single thing that Kyle and, and, you know, the players are saying. So I think we have it in our heads, but I I feel that for our audience, there's so many names that are hurt right now that they probably have lost track. So I just made a table of all the guys that are hurt when they're anticipated to return, what, what their injury is, and it ended up being really long. It's headlined by Richard Sherman and George Kittle and Debo Samuel right now. One of those guys may be back on Sunday, George Kittle, but uh, two of those guys certainly won't in Richard Sherman and Debo Samuel because they're on IR. So this is a situation right now the 49ers have to find a way to stay afloat and make it through the end of this month because then they could probably start getting most of those guys back.
1: Yeah, and the two guys that you named there, George Kittle and Richard Sherman, those are two team captains. So, So there's a lot of leadership a lot of energy, electricity that could be on the sideline uh, for this game. I thought it was significant that Kyle Shanahan said that the hope is that George Kittle practices on Friday, which is really basically a, a glorified walkthrough. But even then, he wouldn't have to practice in order to play on Sunday. I mean, that's that's the standing that George Kittle has on this team. So right up until game time, we, we won't know if he plays. The sojourn to the East Coast might be a shot in the arm for this team. The fact that they're playing the Jets might be a shot in the arm for this team. I was just going over their skill position players and not a lot of firepower there. The receivers are Rashad Perriman and Jamison Crowder. Those are the starters. The tight end is Chris Herndon, and the tailback could be Frank Gore, 37-year-old Frank Gore. So I think predicting that Jimmy Garoppolo gets out of his uh, his funk is, is hard to do just because we don't know what the receiver and tight end situation is. But, boy, I would think that the 49ers defense, Dennis, takes this opportunity to kind of uh, make amends for, uh, you know, l- losing that lead in the fourth quarter on Sunday and uh, all the missed tackles and things like that.
2: Last week, you said it, Matthew, It's just it was a bad— matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. Now this week is a good matchup in favor of the 49ers as far as the the defensive line at least. This is an opportunity for these guys to really get after. Sam Darnold is a a quarterback that's going to sit in the pocket. He is a pocket thrower. He's not a mobile guy. He's a guy that you can get after. Uh, He's a guy that we saw, I think it was a couple years ago when he was saying he was seeing ghosts when he was getting too much pressure. So he's a guy that you can kind of get after. Uh, I think it's interesting that Frank Gore might be, you know, the starting running back. Can't believe he's still doing it at running back. A guy that came into the league with two blown out knees. But he's still doing it. So, you know, a lot of props to Frank Gore. But I think this is a good bounce back game. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has an opportunity now. You know, he started off, he had a shaky start last week. He wasn't so accurate. This is a good team to kind of bounce back on and then... Stay on the East Coast and come back and play another team that I think the Forty ers match up well against. You know, I heard I heard an interview saying that this loss against the Cardinals kind of awoken the beast in the Forty ers Well, if you want to release the beast, this is the week to do it.
0: Well, we talked to Jets head coach Adam Gase on the conference call that we have every week with the upcoming opposing head coach, and he said that Frank Gore would be starting on Sunday. Now, I don't know if. That is, you know, indication that Frank Gore is going to have 20 carries on Sunday. But I think at least from a hat tip perspective, the Jets wanted to give Gore the start against his former team, the 49ers, for whom he played for so long. He actually debuted with the 49ers in 2005. And if you haven't been on The Athletic yet today, make sure you go and check out Matt's article. Matt and Dan Brown, another one of our Bay Area writers I don't know how many guys you guys interviewed, Matt, but it was impressive how many phone calls you got back for this piece. A bunch of former teammates and former coaches of Frank Gore talking about his rookie season in 2005 when he came in off of those two blown ACLs that Dennis just talked about and took over the starting running back position from Kevin Barlow. That's a name that's a blast from the past in 2005, and it it was history from there for Frank Gore, obviously. He was with the 49ers until 2014, and he's played with a smattering of different teams since then. He's actually played for Adam Gase now three times. Adam Gase was an assistant on the 2008 49ers staff. So it all comes full circle with the 37-year-old Frank Gore lining up against the 49ers. And he has a chance to make history, guys, because very few running backs in the history of the NFL have done anything at age thirty seven, and the only running back who has actually had a significant amount of carries at that age was Marcus Allen in ninety seven for the Chiefs. He set the record for thirty seven year olds with a five hundred five yard season. Frank Gore had five hundred ninety nine yards last year at age thirty six. Now he's starting for the Jets. I think that's within reach. I think he could make some more history. He's already number three on the all time rushing list, right? So uh, Frank Gore, just uh, unbelievable. He's he's ageless. He's one of those guys that that it seems that he'll be around to the end of the NFL at this rate, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him, Matt. And that must have been a lot of fun to write that piece.
1: Yeah, it really was. I was trying to think of the guys who might have been in the locker room with Gore in 2014, his last year. It might be Jimmy Ward and, and Kyle Nelson, the uh, the long snapper. Those might be the only guys. But having said that, you know Frank Gore. I don't know if he'd admit this publicly, but he considers himself a 49er. He loves this organization. You noted how many phone calls we got back. And uh, it was because everybody to a person loves Frank Gore. He
0: admits it publicly. I just got to jump in. Remember, he was on our podcast and he called us the, the 49ers we the whole time. Yeah, that's, and his true. Profile that's picture, true. His profile picture is a tribute to Joe Staley still. He's on the Jets about to play the 49ers <laughs> and he has a 49ers profile picture on social media.
1: It just kind of shows you who Frank Gore is, though. I mean, any person who worked with Frank Gore, we're talking front office, Coaching staff, players—they remain f- friends with Frank Gore to this day. They'll have FaceTime sessions, text sessions, what, whatnot. Uh, so everybody came crawling to to call him, to call us back for the story. And We got, I don't know, something like 15 players to to contribute to it. It was great, but I can tell you that Frank Gore always charged up to play. Will be even more charged up to start and will be even more charged up to start against his old team. So he's going to be running like a 33-year-old or something. I don't know what the age is, but he's going to have a lot of juice at least to start that game. So it's going to be fun. It's, it's, it's uh, rife with, with storylines already. And uh, the big one is that uh, Frank Gore could start against the team that gave him his start back in 2005.
2: I remember coming back here uh, around 2007 and getting back involved With the 49ers and just being amazed with kind of his workout. I didn't, I didn't know the history of Frank Gore, but I remember going out to practice and just watching and he reminded me, reminded me of kind of like the Roger Craig. Every time he got the ball, he ran into the end zone. He ran the full length of the field or whatever it might be. And I was thinking to myself, who is this guy here? I mean, his work ethic just really, really stood out to me. And then it showed on the field. And I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, they would love to see a Frank Gore retire as a 49er. One of those one-day contracts like Jerry Rice got would
0: be awesome. I wouldn't put the one-year contract out of the realm of possibility at no, this point. No, I think that's, that's <laughs> coming. Yeah. You're right. You're yeah. right, yeah. I think it was Matt who posted a side-by-side of Frank Gore as a rookie And Frank Gore now, and the guy looks like he hasn't aged a day. It's absolutely crazy. And he denied it when we talked to him during the Super Bowl. He said, "This is not on the table." I brought it up. I said, "Hey, are you gonna? You know, is your goal for your son, who's a freshman now at Southern Miss?" same school that Nick Mullins went to. Is it your goal f- for you to play in the NFL at the same time that your son might, might play in the NFL? And Frank immediately shook his head and say no, and said no. But with every passing day, every passing game, every passing year, that becomes more possible to the point where I almost think that the harder part of that bargain will be his son making the NFL and not Frank Gore lasting another three years.
1: One of the things that uh, I, I heard a, a few times from talking to people who know him really well is that they said, you know, this is, this is it. This is the last year for Frank. He's told me this is the last year. Now, having, having said that I've, heard that, I've heard that refrain for the last five years. Uh, so every year he gets to the end of the season and, and says, you know, I still feel good. Uh, I could play one more year. And, and Adam Gase, I asked him, does he seem any different than the the previous two times that you coached him? And Gase said, no, he looks like the same guy. And, and you're right, those side-by-side photos, uh, one's, one's in black and white and one's in color. And that sort of tells you uh, which is the, the 2020 one. But uh, if they were both the same, I defy you to pick out... The one that is the 23-year-old Frank Gore versus the one that's the, the 37-year-old Frank Gore. It's very, very hard to do. He hasn't changed a bit. I call him uh, Benjamin Buttonhook. What do you guys think of that uh, that <laughs> nickname?
2: Uh, it's not original, but yeah, it works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: you've heard that before, Dennis? I, I've heard it a couple times before. You know, we talk about the time that, that uh, he's had in the NFL and how durable he is. And then you think about the 49ers, and, and it seems like here goes another season now where the team just seems to be in the training room. And, you know, it, you know, whatever Frank Gore is doing, I think he needs to share it. I was listening to uh, the news this morning, and, and, you know, like David said, I couldn't—the the names, they just kept going and on and on and on. And Akello, with the concussion protocol—so, you know, here we go again with kind of who's going to start here, who's up, who's down— but one thing it seems like George Kittle is definitely going to be up and you said it David I mean he's a guy who who probably doesn't need that much practice but still you know he's 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 got that knee and he's going to be taking a lot of shots on that knee And that kind of worries me a little bit because he is the hardened soul of this offense and what they do on the offensive side.
0: Let's pause to tell you about Fubo.tv. Fubo.tv has a family plan where three people can watch at once. 15% off first month, 30 hours of DVR and local broadcast. Fubo.tv will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to fubo.tv forward slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's fubo.tv forward slash athletic. Start your first month today. You know, it's crazy about the surprising nature of this injury rash. Yeah, we didn't know about Akello Witherspoon's concussion And we didn't really even know about the injury that in a way led to Akella Witherspoon's concussion, which was Richard Sherman's calf strain. Sherman missed the final four snaps the game on Sunday. But I think, you know, most people, especially since Sherman went through his post-game press conference, since Kyle Shanahan didn't mention anything about the injury on Monday, most people just thought that since the Cardinals were essentially in kneel down mode, uh, you know that the 49ers gave Sherman those plays off, but he had actually strained his calf on the second to last series. Sherman, by the way, said that it's not serious. Shanahan also seemed to indicate that it's not serious. They're just keeping him out for those three weeks. Remember, IR is not as big of a deal as it used to be because these guys can come back after three weeks. But, but he strains his calf. Witherspoon comes in, and then Witherspoon. I mean, what dumb luck, right, for the 49ers? He suffers a concussion in one of the four final snaps of the game where the Cardinals are just running out the clock. And Witherspoon is obviously the direct depth behind Richard Sherman. Other potential direct depth behind Richard Sherman is Jason Verrett. He didn't practice on Wednesday because he's still recovering from a strained hamstring. So you have this complete bind at the cornerback position where the front liner and then all the depth behind him is hurt. The other front liner on, on the opposite side, Emmanuel Mosley, is the, really the only one healthy. So it, it forced the 49ers to call Dante Johnson up from the practice squad and it also forced them to sign another cornerback from off of Miami's practice squad and sign two more tall guys, the two that they signed are both 6'2" and 6'3" to their own practice squad. So you have a total of three new bodies now in the building and I think it all adds up to this, Matt. I think it means that there's a whole lot of pressure on the 49ers pass rush to just overwhelm the Jets, to just overwhelm the Giants, to just overwhelm the Eagles over the next 3 weeks because the secondary is going to be in a very uncertain spot. You don't want to leave it up to a chance with them. You just got to get to the quarterback and sack him and pressure him before he can expose any holes in the back end.
1: Yeah. If uh, Akella Witherspoon can't come back from that concussion this week, it's going to be Dante Johnson at one cornerback spot and Emmanuel Mosley at the other. That's a bit of irony because it was DeAndre Hopkins back in 2017 who basically chased Dante Johnson out of the starting lineup when the, the 49ers went to Houston and they played the Texans. Hopkins really was abusing Dante Johnson to the point where I think the 49ers took him out of the game yep. and inserted Akella Witherspoon. Yep, uh, And then on Sunday, of course, it was Emmanuel Mosley who was getting beaten up by DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins caught 14 passes for 151 yards. I counted them up. Seven of them came directly uh, against Mosley there. And the other seven were kind of spread out in in zone coverages against Sherman, against uh, Kwan Williams in the slot, etc., But Dante Johnson has been a 49ers cornerback abuser, and uh, it happened again. The interesting thing, or just the notable thing about Witherspoon, he made one tackle, and that's where the concussion came. I remember a game in Green Bay a couple years ago, when, remember, that was the game where he was famously held out. Uh, It was going to be a message from Kyle Shanahan and the the coaching staff to Witherspoon. Uh, At the very end of the game, the the game-winning field goal, he and Mabin, uh, were trying to block the, the kick. It was one of uh, Witherspoon's only snaps in the game, and the two guys coming off the side ran into each other, and Akella Witherspoon got a concussion. So he's got this rotten luck in games where he only has a uh, a bit roll, but has had these uh, these big injuries to this point. If Akella Witherspoon comes back, he'll take Sherman's spot as the field cornerback. The boundary is probably going to stay Emmanuel Mosley, but if Mosley keeps struggling, then... Verrett is the the logical replacement as the boundary cornerback.
0: Uh, I thought that Jason Verrett looked better than Emmanuel Mosley in camp. I think that there's some politics here. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. When a team goes to the Super Bowl, and Emmanuel Mosley did play as well as he did last year, and remember, he really saved the 49ers' skin last year in the playoffs because as Kella Witherspoon was getting beaten a lot against Minnesota, Mosley came in, helped turn that game around for the 49ers. I think that that earns you some capital heading into the next season. You can't just blow everything up, have Jason Verrett come off of IR, you know, after being terrible and very limited action last year and and win that starting job, I think that there was a reason to give Emmanuel Mosley this job to start the season. But I think you're absolutely right, Matt. If uh, this continues, if, you know, teams continually are picking on him on the opposite side of Richard Sherman, who, who obviously is a trusted presence. Uh, At his cornerback spot, you have to start weighing Jason Verrett's camp performance more and more heavily. That being said, Jason Verrett has to prove that he can stay healthy, which is something that he hasn't proven yet. I mean, as soon as it looked like he was on that healthy track, he strained his hamstring in training camp. So this is all a moot point right now because Verrett missed. Wednesday's practice, so we'll see if he gets back. I think it's more likely that the 49ers have Kella Witherspoon ready for Sunday since he's in the concussion protocol, and that you know can just end really in one day, whereas strained hamstrings, especially for a guy like Verrett, who seems to always be battling injuries, those seem to linger, and he's not even limited at practice at this point.
1: Yeah, and what one injury we didn't even bring up, Tim Harris, who's on the practice squad, somebody that 49ers were very curious about being part of their cornerback core uh, for the future he's done for the season he, he uh, suffered a calf injury too uh in last week's practice I think it was a Friday practice uh and they had to put him on injured reserve so he's not an option this year uh all of a sudden they went from that being a real strength I mean just two weeks ago they were so deep at uh at cornerback that uh, we weren't sure who they were going to keep uh Jamar Taylor was it was an option uh uh, now that that depth has has just dried up so quickly. Uh, and, and luckily, none of the, the guys on the active roster are done for the full season. And uh, Sherman should be back in mid-October. But this is something that they dealt with in previous seasons, long, long injury lists. I don't remember it happening quite this early these, these past few years. And it makes me wonder, is it because
2: of the, the training camp being kind of ran differently that some of these... I guess they're soft tissue injuries, but it seems like after week one, there's a lot of movement, a lot of guys that are injured, and I just wonder with the pandemic and the and the and the way camps were were kind of done this year, did, is that a a factor? Does that does that kind of mix in a little bit to why these guys are are dropping or is it just the way the 49ers are every year it seems like you get a bunch of injuries
0: if you look at the list there's a lot of strains and the strains would be what people would expect after an unusual offseason I everybody that I've talked to around the 49ers on the record off the record seems to think that might be a possibility I don't know if we could scientifically evaluate that yet I also haven't counted injuries for other teams but I have noticed that a lot of guys are out with strains around the league, just anecdotally. For example, the reason that Frank Gore is starting is because Le'Veon Bell with the Jets has a hamstring injury right now. So that's all anecdotal. But I think it is important to say the 49ers are not the only team suffering from strains. Maybe they have a few more than, than others because their list is long. But uh, that was something that a lot of medical people actually expected entering this year. Because football players, as you know, Dennis, get into such a year-by-year routine. I mean, you finish the playoffs, you have a little bit of time off, then you start phase one, strength and conditioning. And that builds all the way up into the OTAs, where there is some 11-on-11 11 11 work. Even though you don't have pads on, you're still moving around like a football player. And that heads into training camp. This year, you didn't have the OTAs. You didn't have the visit to the team facility. That's a big difference for very well-regulated athlete uh, bodies of professional athletes. And then training camp was shorter, plus there was no preseason. And I think even you know a couple series in preseason might get guys a little bit more acclimated to to the football field. So that might be behind it. And also I should mention that it's not all bad news. On Wednesday, Ben Garland, 49ers starting center for now until Weston Richburg is back from uh, the pup list. And and Brandon Ayuk, their first-round rookie wide receiver who should be a starter, they both practiced fully without limitations for the first time this regular season. So Matt, injuries are happening, but at least on those two key fronts, and I, don't th- I think center and wide receiver are extremely important, the 49ers are on the mend at those spots.
1: Yeah, center, center wide receiver on the mend, cornerback getting getting worse. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what Ayuk's role is in this game because he, he came on really strong, looked really good in the first, what was it, 10 days of, of training camp maybe, and then he had the uh, the hamstring, and he's really been absent since that point. So really, uh, you know, the last week of August uh, was his last uh, practice. And so he's been out of the loop for a while. So I don't know whether he's going to start and then play 60 snaps or whether the other two guys, Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne, will start and uh, IU gets sort of mixed in and, and might get, I don't know, 15 to, to 25 snaps. It'll It'll be interesting to see how that goes. It'll be interesting to see how much uh how many reps they give uh Jordan Reed at tight end um you know especially with with George Kittle with this with this knee he played 10 snaps against the Cardinals and I, and I'm sure that a lot of that was due to an abundance of caution this is a guy who's been injured a lot uh they were taking it very easy on him in training camp um I wonder I don't think that that snap count will will jump to 60 either but I wonder whether he's going to get a, a bigger run against the Jets, and I was sort of eager to see that against the Cardinals. What what the 49ers would do with Kittle and Reed on the field at the same time, especially with all the injuries that wide receiver and never really came to pass. They were on the on the field, I counted six plays, but uh, they obviously weren't a big, you know, that duo wasn't a big part of the, the game plan, so they didn't really go to it. So, uh, despite all the limitations that, that Kyle Shanahan has, he still has some options he hasn't really tapped into. And uh, I think that'll be fun to watch too uh, against the Jets and against the Giants.
0: We'll be back after this. This is The
3: Athletic's Shiel Kapatia here to tell you about liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get twenty-five percent off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code athletic at checkout. That's twenty-five percent off anything you order when you use promo code athletic at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code athletic.
2: I figured after, you know, George Kittle kind of had the the knee sprain, then he, he went to the locker room, came back out, second half. I thought you would see more, Reed, and I can remember him catching one one pass throughout the whole entire game. Now I thought maybe Kyle Shanahan would kind of utilize, you know, that that feature in the offense or that weapon in the offense, but I just didn't see it. This week, we might see more. I, I think George Kittle's want to kind of want to go out there and play hard. I'm sure that knee is very sore. I don't know what he did in the locker room to be able to come back out and play, but he, w- he didn't have any targets that second half, and they really needed something down the field. But I thought you know, he would, Reed would be the guy that Kyle Shanahan went to. Bourne was a guy that he was more targeted, targeting in the second half. But there's, there's so many weapons on this team. And I think the 49ers, you know, when they were going three and out, I didn't get it. I was like, you know, there's so many weapons. And I know Jimmy wasn't, you know, exactly on his game. His accuracy was way off, but it seems like Cal Shanahan still has a lot of weapons out there that he really hasn't utilized yet. And I think Jordan Reed's one of one of those guys.
0: Well, Reed played 10 snaps and Kyle Shanahan really verified what my inkling was. I thought that he was on a severe pitch count and I, that pitch count was probably 10 snaps. And, you know, the guy hasn't played in over a year, seven documented concussions, which probably means more actual concussions. And the thing about football, especially at a targeted position like receiver and tight end when you're running you know, over the middle, it's it's all about being able to protect yourself and that in a game that moves this fast is about the instincts, about knowing when a guy might be stepping in to to lay wood, knowing when to turn a little bit, when to slow down, speed up, to protect yourself and avoid huge hits that can result in concussions. And Jordan Reed hadn't been on a football field in a game-like situation with that adrenaline and that speed in over a year. So I I really think the 49ers thought that they were going to give him a chance to start – getting his feet wet to develop those instincts. Because if you throw him out there for 30 or 40 snaps, that's when he can get lit up and get another concussion because his instincts aren't back. So they wanted to give him, you know, piecemeal those 10 snaps first. So that way he could reacclimate gradually without exposing himself too much. So Shanahan hinted that the pitch count for Jordan Reed would go up in week two, and I would expect it to since his first 10 snaps went reasonably well, and he'll get more. And if that ends up being the case, Matt, then he's probably a better route runner than George Kittle. George Kittle's obviously faster. George Kittle blocks better. George Kittle's the best tight end in the the game. But from a pure route running standpoint, Jordan Reed is so polished. I mean, we saw that in camp. That'd be a heck of a weapon for Jimmy Garoppolo. And at the end of the day, it's about finding cohesiveness within the offense. You know, Dennis talked about all the weapons. You got to bring them all together. And, hey, the 2016 Falcons, Shanahan's best offense ever. Guess what they did in week one? They went out and they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They put up 24 points five point eight yards per play 49ers 20.6 point eight yards per play in week one it was a disjointed effort but what did the 2016 falcons do they turned it on they they put on the jets so it, it's way too early to count this 49ers offense out after only one game
1: yeah i don't i don't think the 2016 falcons played kyler murray either <laughs> that was a, a big part of this loss as well and, and luckily they only have to play murray uh one more time this year uh, you know, one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this, this week is, is who gets uh, bumped up from the, the practice squad. Uh, on Sunday, it was Hronis Grisou and Dante Johnson. Now Dante Johnson's already on the active roster, so he's not getting bumped up. And uh, if, if Ben Garland is, uh, is healthy, uh, Grisou might not get bumped up. So I'm wondering if it's going to be a receiver. Um, and if it is a receiver, which receiver it'll be. They've got three to, to choose from. Uh, the seventh rounder, Jawan Jennings, uh, River Craycraft, who's uh, sort of does a little bit of everything, including um, uh, fielding punts and playing out of the slot, stuff like that. And then the other guy is Kevin White, who's from West Virginia, or rather, he's from New Jersey and, and played at the University of, of West Virginia. And uh, on paper, at least, he just seems like a perfect guy for this offense. He's big, he's fast. Ran a four three five forty a few years ago. Um, his forte is sort of uh, run after the catch. He he looks uh, body wise uh, a little like Debo Samuel, so um, he's intriguing. I, I I would think that if they did bring a guy up, it would be Juwan Jennings, uh, and maybe we'll see some of that that big slot stuff that we were talking about all offseason, and that kind of got sidetracked a bit when Jalen Hurd got hurt. So uh, again, you know, it's just another. Uh, example of Kyle Shanahan having a few more cards in his deck than he played against the Cardinals and could come out and surprise one of these two next opponents.
2: And and you were talking about the Kyle Shanahan and the uh, Atlanta Falcons, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the 49ers sign
0: Sanu? Yeah, Muhammad Sanu from those Falcons teams, right? With Shanahan and 16. Yeah,
2: so he's a guy that, I I don't know when he actually hits the field, but he's a guy that, that understands a little bit of this offense. You know, I don't know when he, he's able to practice or if he's if he has to pass a physical first. But there's another weapon right there. I mean, you've got a guy that understands your offense, and he's he reminds me of kind of an Anquan Bolden, the way he kind of catches with and runs with that, you know, with that anger and that aggression. So there's another weapon. So this is going to be a great bounce-back game against this team here because I think that the, the defense matches up well and then the offense is going to be able to match up really well also.
0: Mohammed Sanu's 31, but the productivity was really still there. Last year it dipped a little bit, but there was an ankle injury. He was traded mid-season. The Falcons remember even though they beat the 49ers last year weren't any good. So I think that was probably part of the struggle. Then he went to New England and New England didn't have a good offense last year either. New England was mediocre last season offensively and there's actually some film going around of Tom Brady not hitting Muhammad Sanu when he was open on on some routes so I think that the numbers in New England weren't indicative of what Sanu can do if the offense really is clicking around him and he has a fondness for Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan has a fondness for him the guy's 6'2 220 I mean immediately one of the bigger targets in the 49ers room and Shanahan first started really, you know, messing around with that big slot position in Atlanta with Mohamed Sanu. It's why he later drafted Jalen Hurd, why he later drafted Jawan Jennings. Hurd is uh, on the shelf with the ACL this year, but Jawan Jennings, as we, you know, we're just talking about, is on the practice squad. Matt, I, I think with Mohamed Sanu... This is a guy who can, you know, really be a tutor for the whole receiver room, given the veteran presence and the fact that he's been with Shanahan. But you got to be excited for a guy like Juwan Jennings, because Jawan Jennings now can learn from somebody who's done that big slot position, somebody who's the same body type. I think they're both 6'2", uh, maybe 6'3", but, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for Sanu to to really impart his knowledge on the 49ers youngsters, including a guy like Jennings, who can follow in his footsteps.
1: Yeah, that's why I say that uh, if Sanu doesn't play in this game, I think uh, Jennings might be brought up. Just the the timing with Sanu. He arrived uh, in uh, San Jose, Santa Clara on Tuesday night. He took his first COVID test Tuesday. So, Dennis, he takes one Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if all three of those are negative, then he can practice on Friday. And then... The team gets on a plane and flies to New Jersey for the Jets game, uh, which is funny because they they go into Newark, which is about 20 to 25 miles from where Sanu began his trip. He he's from New Brunswick, New Jersey, so he's gone he's gone a long way to go a short distance for this game if he does end up playing. But Shanahan did say that you know uh, Sanu is familiar enough with this. With this offense, and it's uh, changed little enough from 2016 that even if he just does practice a bit on Friday and they'll have a walkthrough on Saturday, he's confident that he can get into the game and be productive. So uh, that's not out of the realm of of possibility that new plays against the Jets.
2: Yeah, and it reminds me of last season when when the 49ers brought in a veteran receiver and then all of a sudden— you know, Debo became the player that he was. Just kinda right. having a, a veteran in the room is huge. And to have a veteran in a room that kinda of understands that offense and the scheme and understand Kyle Shanahan and the way he does his play call and how what he wants out of certain positions I mean it's a bonus it's nothing but good if he can kind of have the same effect to this receiving room which you know right now kind of needs it you know we'll see them take off you David you talked about the uh the Falcons having a bad game you know their first game out with Kyle Shanahan in 16. I just wonder if this team watches any of that film and watch how that team kind of developed to at the end of the season kind of what they were so I'm excited you know another weapon offensive weapon. Uh, this team needs to score at least 35 points a game. Uh, that's what I was expecting. At least 30 points on Sunday didn't happen. Uh, and I think it's important that this team put puts 30 points on the board every game.
0: Well, to answer your question, they do. I actually asked Jimmy Garoppolo about that today. And he said that, he, yes, he, he's aware that the 2016 Falcons started off that season slow and then found a way to get it together. In fact, when Jimmy came over, from New England in 2017, the 49ers it, it, that was just such a placeholder year that they Jimmy said that he they didn't even watch the film of the 49ers in 2017 because Hoyer and Bethard were the quarterback and there were so many guys that you know Lewis Murphy was the first guy Jimmy Garoppolo threw a touchdown pass to. There were just so many guys who weren't going to be there long term in the future that at that point Shanahan sat Garoppolo down and. Showed him 2016 Falcons film. He said, "This is what I want you to watch because this is what you know. We want to approximate this. We want to be the team that scores 33.8 points per game, not this offense that the Forty Niners had in 17, which I think was scoring like 15 or 16 points a game at the time that Garoppolo showed up. So, uh, yeah, they, they they are trying to follow that trajectory. And yes, it also wasn't all that bad." in components on Sunday. For example, 49ers rushed for five yards a carry over 100 yards against a team that was a top 10 rush defense in Arizona last year. They're going to have a similar challenge this week. The Jets were the number two run defense by DVOA last season, but their pass defense is not very good. They lost Jamal Adams. Josh Allen from the Bills threw for 300-plus against them last week. So I think that you're going to have a similar kind of challenge for the 49ers running against a team that can stop the run and uh, having to beat them through the air and jimmy garoppolo obviously did, didn't do that against the cardinals last week so my prediction is that the 49ers are are going to roll this week with Ayuk back i think he's going to have a nice debut i think that they capitalize on the fact that the jets don't have a great pass defense and i think they run the ball better than people expect them to against the jets because uh uh, they showed that they could run against a good run defense already last week. So I think Dennis will be happy. I think you'll see the 49ers surpass 30 this week. They're going to beat the, the Jets 31-17. to 17. What do you think, Matt?
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a little lower than that. Um, I, I think that as perfect as the, the Cardinals' offense is for defeating the 49ers' style of defense, I think that style of defense is is perfect for playing the Jets. So I I think this is going to be a real bounce back game for for Nick Bosa for Eric Armstead for Fred Warner. Um, I didn't I didn't think that Armstead and Warner had all that good games, and I, I know they're champing at the bit to reverse that, and I, I think they will. So I think there it's I think it's going to be an ugly score game for the Jets. Uh, they're not going to get out of the the early teens. I, I'll, I'll give them thirteen points, and I'll give the Forty Niners twenty four twenty four thirteen. 49ers. Dennis, What's what are your thoughts?
2: I think this this front four just, they just go off. I think you might see Joe Flacco come in in the second half. Ouch. I see them just getting after this team. I see them getting some hits on Sam Darnold and, and have them seeing those ghosts again. So, and I think the offense rolls. I think with some of the additions, uh, IU coming back, I think, you know, if Sanu can get in the football game, I see Jimmy getting back onto this game. I'm going to say 31 14.
0: Joe Flacco is on Frank Gore's team now as the backup <laughs> quarterback. That's the dystopian future that 2020 has brought us. And so the 49ers can theoretically get some modicum of revenge for Super Bowl 47, even though nobody's left over from that team wait is Kyle Nelson or did he come after Matt
1: I I think he was after Uh, After, Nelson yeah Nelson and Ward are both 2014 and those are those are the elder statesmen
0: yeah because Staley's gone now longest
1: tenured guys on the team so
0: isn't it wild that if Dennis's scenario plays out the 49ers will get a little bit of revenge I'm not saying a lot against Joe Flacco the backup Jets quarterback with Frank Gore the guy who was at the center of the end of Super Bowl forty seven, not getting the handoff on Flacco's team. It's just weird, right? Crazy. Yeah, but.
1: I don't think they're gonna hand out any rings if they beat the Jets, though.
0: No, no, they won't. And and again, nobody remembers that. I mean, everybody has has moved on from those teams. So except for Flacco, who's who's now with the Jets. So um we'll see if he gets in the game. That probably would be good news for the 49ers. But uh anyway, uh that was fun. We'll talk to you guys on sunday after the game it's an early one 10 a.m pacific time and uh, we'll break it down before the 49ers move on to week three so thanks again for listening for matt barrows and dennis brown this is david lombardi we'll talk to you guys next time